so often in outside sales and really any sales, we're taught to lead with that problem. Let's get that problem right out there. But what we've learned, the problem with leading with the problem is your customer may not agree that's the problem you're solving for. And so now you've already put yourself at odds with them. What we've learned is to really make that problem resonate is that you have to lead with a statement of agreement of a positive outcome. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Park Howell with us, and we're going to talk about how to say less and sell more, the art of storytelling. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, Park. Hey, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. So Park, just by way of introductions, Park Howell is the host of the Business of Story podcast, and that's focused on the art of storytelling in sales. In in addition to hosting that podcast, um, which is actually a a top 10% of uh, downloaded podcasts in the world, Park has also authored two books, Brand Bewitchery, and the narrative gym for business. Uh, Park has always been fascinated with the arts and communication, and uh, through through this work, he's brought these worlds together. After running an ad agency for about 20 years, he now consults, teaches, coaches, and speaks about the power of brand storytelling to grow businesses. So Park, first question, what inspired you to pursue storytelling and and where it, uh, how, how it can impact sales and, and uh, the overlap there. It was the tyranny of social media and digital marketing. That's what got it all going. I've been in the advertising branding world for 35 plus years. And as you mentioned, ran my own ad agency for 20 of those years here in Phoenix, Arizona. And it was about my 10th year into running my firm that, you know, digital marketing, e-commerce, social media started taking over. And what I had experienced, Steve, is leading up to that, I was very much of a traditional marketer, TV, radio, print, direct mail, outdoor, and the creativity that would go into telling a story in those you know, very mediums. Back then, our clients owned the influence of mass media, but as the masses became the media, that of course turned everything on its head. And I found that it was much more difficult to communicate, to hack through the noise and hook into the hearts of your customers with all this din of digital communications happening. And in about 2004, I went looking for an answer. And it was about this same time where stories started creeping up on the radar of some of us, you know, that were really deep into the industry of sales and marketing. Uh, And I thought, well, what are we talking about here? Because I thought everybody told stories only to find out that no, they didn't. (laughs) You know, my line of work, it was always about telling a better story than your competitor and so forth. So I went on a quest, if you will, to find proven story frameworks, first by looking into Hollywood, that I could use to evolve myself, my team, and my customers from being intuitive storytellers, as we all are as homo sapiens, into intentional ones to help make you way more successful that you could plan on it. So you weren't just winging it 
anymore. And that's what really got me into the storytelling world. And how, how do you define storytelling or and, and particularly like describe to me intentional storytelling that you're that you're trying to teach people? I'll give you an example of this. So when I was running my ad agency, one of our big clients was Goodwill of Central and Northern Arizona. And, you know, each Goodwill is a franchise in a given area. So you advertise and market them like a franchise. And we were doing a lot of TV commercials and radio commercials for them. And Steve, one year, it was 2002. I'll never forget this. There, we, we produced two 30-second TV spots for a campaign to start running for them. The very first campaign we did for them. And one of them polled exceptionally well. I mean, they saw a 40% increase in sales through the 17 stores they had at the time in one month when that spot hit the air. Well, we were rotating it with a second spot that did not poll nearly as well. I mean, it was almost benign. And I sat back and looked at these two commercials and asked myself, what's the difference? Why does this one pull so well? And this one doesn't seem to even move the needle at all. And what I learned after I started studying story, that first one that really pulled had a distinct story structure to it of setup, problem, resolution, using the three dynamics of story called agreement, contradiction, and con consequence. And it just happened to have that built in where the other one was more of a creative, aren't we so clever type commercial that didn't work for our customer. And when I started studying story, I'm like, how do we make sure we never make this same mistake again? And that is we moved from being intuitive. We intuitively created this without intention, but it worked unbelievably well because it had that structure to it. Um, and this one, of course, was not a story at all. So that's why I said our need in any sales and marketing realm is to move from an intuitive, us homo sapiens, we're the only beings that we know of that think, cooperate, and act in story. So my mission is to help people move from being that intuitive storyteller, winging it, if you will. Sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not, into being an intentional one by simply using these frameworks that have proven themselves over time. And, uh, and, and I guess when I think back to like children's stories, even they, they, they always kind of follow that, that framework, things are introduced, there's a problem and then there, there's a solution, I guess. And it, what, what are some other like, uh, frameworks that you like to use in business situations? Well, there's three and there's three that I teach and I'm going to take them from complex to simple. And then we're going to talk about the simple and move from there. So when I was looking for an answer to this conundrum of how do you stand out in this extraordinarily noisy world back in the early 2000 aughts, I went to Hollywood because our son was going to film school at Chapman University. While he was there, I said, Parker, send me your books when you're done with them since I'm paying for them because I want to know what does Hollywood teach you to be a competitive storyteller in the most competitive market in the world? That's when I first really learned about Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey, which is now extraordinarily popular in the business world. But when I saw it back in 2004, it was an aha moment for me. I'm like, well, look, at, here's a framework to story that Hollywood uses. It's been around since the beginning of time. In fact, the very first recorded story of Gilgamesh 
follows this same story pattern. And I ask myself, why don't we put that into business? Why don't we use it to humanize our brands and to be able to really connect with our audiences on that very human level, understanding the journey they're on, and then we can come in and help them get what they want through our products or services. So I boiled that down to the 10 steps of the story cycle system for brand story development. And we were very successful with it. Some companies grew by as much as 600% using it, but it was too complex. I found that I always had to be there to lead them through it. So then I studied uh, and learned about the five primal elements of a short story for big impact. And what I mean is a little anecdote that you can tell in under 60 seconds that makes your business point for you by using this same setup problem resolution dynamic, which then ultimately led me to Dr. Randy Olson in 2013. Randy is a Harvard PhD evolutionary biologist, turned USC film school grad, Hollywood filmmaker, and has written many books teaching scientists how to communicate their big ideas using the frameworks he learned in, in, in Hollywood. He's the one that introduced me to the and, but, therefore. And I've learned that this ABT, we call it and, but, therefore, is essentially the DNA of story because it uses those three forces of story we're talking about of and is agreement, but is the conflict or contradiction, therefore, is the resolution. And why this is so important to us is our limbic system, our subconscious system, loves this cause in effect way of sharing information. It's a way to create real meaning around what you're trying to offer and sell to your, your customers. So um, I always start in all of my training with the and, but therefore. And uh, give me like a, a 60 second story around the, the, that's using this. Let's just, you know, if you were gonna, so with something that everybody knows, like uh, like Microsoft, Office. Why? Tell me, sell me Microsoft Office with, uh, or, or anything that you're just. I'm like, not sure that Microsoft fun. Office is very good at it, quite honestly. Um, Microsoft has a way of really uh, reflecting their Bill Gates founder, and they seem to talk, you know, a lot of features and functions and numbers versus storytelling. Let me give you an example that I was doing with Sharp Electronics, if that'll work for you. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Gosh, the beginning of this year, it was in February. I was doing a virtual training with, I don't know, like 120 of Sharp Electronics sales and marketing people. And all I have to do when I teach the and button, therefore, to them is typically go to uh, one of their landing pages. And I rewrite the landing page as an and but and therefore. So I've just pulled this up on my screen. I'm going to read it if you see my eyes starting down. Sure. Here's what was currently on their landing page, and this was under a document systems page. It says, for years, Sharp Document Products and Solutions have been earning high praise and prestigious awards from leading MFB testing organizations. For Sharp, this represents more than just an accumulation of accolades. It means that trusted industry experts as well as customers recognize that the remarkable innovation, user-friendly design, outstanding reliability, unsurpassed security, and boundless expandability of sharp digital MFPs and copiers, printers, truly exemplify the company's unwavering commitment to quality and excellence. <gasps> Deep breath there. <laughs> so, Steve, my question to you is, do you even care? 
That means nothing to me, but printers suck and always break. That does mean something to me. <laughs> and here is a brand, you know, they have important information here, but they're putting themselves at the center of the story versus their customer. And all they do is just share all of their accolades and just assume that you are going to arrive at, gee, they're so wonderful, I'm going to automatically buy their product even as they come to this with that very same mindset that you just shared here. So what I did is I said, let me show you the difference. And I took that and I rewrote an and button therefore, and you'll see it's all also cut out at least a third of it. And it reads, shorter runs, quicker turnaround times, complete control over your in-house printing. It's what you want, but, your productivity is currently stuck on pause. Therefore, sharp digital MFPs and top of your printers will have you printing like a pro with our industry leading innovation, user-friendly design, unsurpassed security and boundless expandability. Done. In, out, it's written from your prospect's point of view. It's what they want in that statement of agreement to validate their position in the world but you introduce the conflict or the contradiction, why they don't have it, their, their productivity is currently stuck on pause. Therefore, here's a solution for you to help you get it. Now, here's the greatest part about this story. I presented that on a Thursday afternoon. The following Monday, I get an email from one of their national account reps, and it was actually forwarded to me by the sponsor, the person that brought me into the training. And in his email, he writes, I don't remember that guy's name. Now, how you can't remember part, I don't know, but I obviously didn't have that big of impact virtually on him. But he said, I stole his ABT that he shared with us, put it at the beginning of a presentation, went out to see the client, and this was a national account of theirs that he said he'd been trying to close on a system for about six months and was getting absolutely nowhere started his presentation with that ABT and he said within an hour, he had them agree and he had the purchase order, or at least, you know, they're, they're going to get the purchase order. So he goes, I don't know who that guy was, but this thing is like a messaging marvel. And Steve, I hear those anecdotes about the ABT all of the time. I, I've got a good one. And I know you want to beat your printer with a bat, but that wouldn't help you keep your job. Therefore, you should buy a sharp printer because it won't break and you won't want to beat it with a bat. <laughs> yeah. Now, you want to start that ABT on a positive note, on a statement of agreement. So, so you know, you are a hard-charging executive and absolutely rely on the productivity of your copying machine. But you want to beat the MF with a bat because it never works. Therefore, let us... That's a key point. I didn't pick that up when you did it. So talk about that first part again. How do you build the AM statement? Yeah, so it's about, you know, so often in outside sales and really any sales, we're taught to lead with that problem. Let's get that problem right out there. But what we've learned, the problem with leading with the problem is your customer may not agree that's the problem you're solving for. And so now you've already put yourself at odds with them. What we've learned is to really make that problem resonate is that you have to lead with a statement of agreement of a positive outcome. Who's your customer? What do they want? And why is it important to them? You're essentially setting the stage. That is act one. Now you pull the rug out from underneath them with a the problem. 
but you don't have it because of this. Therefore, I'm going to show you how to get it by doing this. Set up problem resolution. Someone asked me, I was doing a bunch of work with Home Depot and their internal sales folks working with their vendors. And one of the guys there, Bob, asked me, he goes, what's the shortest ABT you've ever had? And I said, oh, I've got it for you. Most executives communicate and care, but bore. Therefore, tell a story. And then you can expand on that. <laughs> I like it. Um, what about, uh, is there... Is there a difference between telling a story over the phone or on a landing page or your, your web page and in person? Like most of the people obviously listen to this podcast are field salespeople. How, how does that, how do, so they, they care about in-person communication and stories. How, how do you approach these different uh, opportunities to communicate with a customer different, differently? So a great question and really honestly, the absolute most powerful way to share a story is orally. When you can sit right across from them, read the room and, you know, milk that story or shorten it depending on what kind of reaction you're getting. It's much, much more difficult now in the virtual world, yet it's still the way to really hack through and connect. I like to first start with form, form over content. And again, what I mean by that, the form of the and button, therefore, getting you thinking and set up problem resolution, whether you are writing this out or sharing it orally. I want you, I mean, the thing to do is get this ABT embedded in your brain, use it every single day so it becomes natural to you. You'll just be much more effective communicator. Then when you're writing, landing pages are great places for that short little ABT but then when you get in and be talking about customer success stories or whatever, you want to expand that ABT into what we call the five primal elements of a short story for big impact. And Steve, again, it uses form first and then the content. And the five primal elements in this order are this. Time stamp, when did this happen? Location stamp, where did this happen? A central character, one individual, who, it, who did this happen to? What happened and the surprising outcome of that, that you were there to help them with your product or service for that fifth aha moment element of those five primal elements. Time, location, individual, action and surprise outcome to make your business point for you. These particular stories are best done when you're telling them orally. And there's actually four categories of stories. And you may have seen this with your sales, both inside and outside field sales. You want, and, and one other thing, I'll give you a quick little insight here. A lot of people tell me storytelling is gimmicky or I don't have any good stories to tell. So I want you to reframe this to a moment. Share a moment or a scene when something has changed. And so I call it the moment of connection. Tell me a little story about you, a moment uh, that informed who you are today that is going to make me really better understand you as a human being and build that trust. Then you got the moment of insight. If you're selling, it means you are trying to shake someone out of status quo and move them into something new, which means it's change. Change always breeds chaos and people push back. So you want to have a moment of, in, of insight. Here's how you used to do it, and it worked really well, but this is what has changed. Therefore, I've got a recommendation on your solution, and here's what the, the outcome looks like. Third category of story is your 
is to overcome that anti-story because as soon as I ask you to change, what happens? Natural, we just start pushing back. I couldn't possibly. We tried that before. That'll never work here. We don't have the funding. So the only way you're going to overcome that anti-story is with a better story, and that's a story of influence. You're going to tell a story about another customer that was going through the exact same thing they were going through. You're going to tell me when it happened, where it happened, who the individual was within that organization that you helped, what was the action and that surprising outcome of that action in your helping to make your business point for you. And then the final fourth category is simply the success story. It's another way of telling a customer success story, but placing the customer truly at the center of the story with the brand coming in as the helper or guide in the process. Through all four of those categories, you're still using the same thing. You're going to set it up with them, but therefore to hook them, get them leaning in, and then you're going to use the five primal elements to share that, that experience with them. You get them smiling. You get them like, wow, this is cool. Then you roll out the numbers. Then you roll out the data. And what you've done is appeal to the emotional heart Get them saying, yes, I'm all about this. And then they're going to justify that purchase with the rational, logical numbers and data you're going to share with them. So the story is really all about connecting with people on the, on the emotional level. And then, then after you've done that, you can appeal to the logical mind. Absolutely. I learned in a, where it really struck home to me is Robert McKee who is a legendary screenwriting coach from Hollywood, has been doing it forever. He has this very iconic four-day storytelling course over at the LAX Sheridan, of all places. And he just teaches you the structure of great screenplays and how to write them. I went over there, I think it was 2009, and sat in a room full of 200 screenwriters. Me and about three other people were the only marketers in the room. And we weren't there to write a great movie. We were there to understand what does Hollywood know about this that we can bring to sales and marketing. And he said it. He said this to the whole group. But he wasn't speaking to salespeople. He was taking the, talking to screenwriters. And he said, always remember that our conscious mind is simply the PR department for our subconscious mind where all of our real buying decisions are being made. Hmm. And he's telling screenwriters that. He says, you got to sell that character. You got to sell that plot point. And you have to write to what's happening underneath that script. What's happening in the subconscious? And that's when I realized, wow, if that's that powerful in screenwriting, it's even more powerful when you're asking them to do something. You have a call to action. And instead of trying to hit them with logic and reason, Give them the emotional appeal of the story and then let that conscious mind be the PR department to justify that purchase through your fact sheet, through your data, through your functions and so forth. Yeah, I think I read an article where you were talking about how uh, the, the ABT works on our primal limbic system, uh, captures the attention, attention of the audience. If that may, talk, can you tell, tell us about how this all works to a, for us like a, a yeah. physical level. Well, I'm no neurosurgeon uh, or psychologist. I just have read a ton on this. And I've learned a lot from my buddy, Dr. Randy Olson, you know, who taught me about the ABT uh, from evolution. In fact, he and I just came out with a book called The Narrative Gym for Business. That is a short version, 75-page guide on how to use the ABT. 
And in all of my studies on this, uh, Steve, what I've learned is this limbic system that includes, you know, our hippocampus and our amygdala. It's, it's our fight or flight system that is operating completely automatically in the background, constantly scanning our environment. I mean, it's 24-7 scanning our environment, trying to determine, is there anything there that could hurt me? Is there anything that I need to be dealing with right now? And the most part in our life, no, it's not. So if you want to disrupt that scan going on, then you need to feed it up, a pro set up problem resolution, cause and effect story structure to get its attention. Because all you're doing is you're building, um, uh, you, you, you're building curiosity. Here's what you want, and here's why that's important to you. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. But here's the problem. Here is the obstacle. Here is the monster standing in your way from getting that. Our brain automatically goes, okay, yes. So what's the answer? Give me an answer. It has to close that story loop. And if you don't close it for them with the and button, therefore, then they will close it for you. And it won't be the story you intended unless you intentionally tell a story. Let me give you an example of this real quick. Uh, Ernest Hemingway wrote what people call the shortest story ever told. Have you heard what this story is? No. Six words. Here it is. Shortest story ever written, ever told. For sale, baby shoes, never worn. It's a Why? sad story. Why do you think the baby shoes were never worn? I mean, could be lots of reasons, but maybe the baby doesn't like walking. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. If you I, go and try this, I, Steve. I hated uh, wearing baby shoes myself. I really wide feet, so they hurt my little feet. But uh, so maybe that was the problem. They, my friends couldn't keep me couldn't keep my couldn't keep me in shoes. I would just like take them off and throw them aside. Well, bounce this little parlor trick of story off of a room of people for sale baby shoes never worn and what 99% of the time is they're going to gasp and I have people gasping they're going to oh my god the baby died why why do you arrive at the baby dying in fact I was working with a, a, a SaaS company out in Auckland New Zealand virtually and I was doing this little uh, exercise with them and I, someone literally gasped and I said, who gasped and why the baby died? And then after our session, I got a note from one of the people at the agency out there and they said, you know, that was a marvelous session, but I don't know why you felt compelled to start with such a negative story of a baby dying. I thought that was really ins insensitive of you. And my argument in this is I didn't, I never said the baby died. All I said is for sale, baby shoes, never worn. I opened a story loop and then I built curiosity. So act one, a st statement of agreement for sale, baby shoes, but they've never been worn essentially is what your brain says, right? So without me closing the story loop with the call to action or the therefore how it absolutely closed, I left it open. And our brains will default to the most negative, sometimes horrific, absolute it possibly can because it has to close that story loop. And instead of it closing with a lot of positive, you know, story answers, like maybe the baby grew up and was so healthy that the mom and dad didn't realize it. And they came home with the baby shoes that were too small and they couldn't return them. So they got to sell them. Maybe it's someone that just came across baby shoes 
uh, didn't have any kids and so decided to sell them. There are any number of answers, but we will always default to the most finite answer because it brings it to conclusion in our mind. And since our limbic system is always there to help us with the survival of our being, it's going to be the absolute finite answer of death, typically, in a lot of different forms. So, for instance, let me ask you this. The open story loop that we all experience, especially in sales, is that ghosted text or that ghosted email or that ghosted phone call. Even after we visited with our prospect, we, they asked for a proposal, we turned it around right away, we got it right to them, and then crickets. They won't return anything. Have you had that happen to you, Steve? I have. I hope they're not all dead. Or what are some of the other things that we, we default to? Oh, I must have pissed them off. They they're never going to work with me again, you know? <laughs> or they're just jerks. I'm never going to work with them. We default to this most finite answer because we're dealing with that open story loop. And often it's not correct. It's not right. It's just they've been so busy. They haven't been able to get back to you, whatever. But I'm sure you and your viewers can have that feeling. I know I get it all the time when I get ghosted. It pisses us off. Simply, I, I literally have six proposals in my inbox right now. I'm not ghosting you if you're listening. I'm just very busy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the proposal was too long to read. <laughs> so that's where you use this ABT as you open the story loop with that statement of agreement. Then you build story tension with the buts. And then you close the story loop with, therefore, here's what we need to do next. Therefore, here's the answer to this perplexing question, this problem that you've, you've got yourself in. It's also a fabulous listening tool. You know, when you're out there on the road and you're, you're sitting across from someone when you can get out there. And we've all been there when they are so frustrated about a problem. They do this like verbal vomit on you for 10 minutes and you just sit there and dutifully take it all in. You write it down and then you filter through your own ABT. When you're done, you say, Steve, here's what I heard you tell me. You want this and it's important because of this, but you don't have it because of this. Therefore, you're looking for this kind of solution. And three things happen. They'll first quite often say, wow, you said that way better than I did. Thank you. <laughs> number two, geez, you actually listened to me. Nobody listens to me. And then number three doesn't always come up, but when it does, it's hugely important. It's like, man, Steve, you said that so well that I realized I forgot to tell you one other thing. And it's always that one other thing that they're really trying to overcome that's really troubling them. Everything else they told you up to that point is typically a symptom of the real problem you're trying to solve for. So it's a great way for you to really listen, understand, and empathize with your audience and then repeat back to them using this limbic hooking system abt this, this all sounds so simple and, and easy to use does it uh, does it really work and uh, do you have examples of, of, of that they'll stick in people's minds of it, of it working yeah well all right let's go back and into time a little bit so they can see that i'm just not making this up this has been around since the beginning of time every single nursery rhyme is built on an and button therefore now the writers didn't think about it they're just good writers but you think about it let's say little miss muffet sat on a tuffet eating her curds and whey along came a spider who sat down beside her and frightened miss muffet away so 
in listening to this, you'd say, well, that's fine, Park, but it, I didn't and but or therefore in there, but it's all implied. The story structure is there. Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet and she was eating her curds and whey. Act one. But along came a spider who sat down beside her, therefore frightened Miss Muffet away. You see it everywhere. Uh, Crown Royal once did one of my favorite ads ever where they did a play off of uh, Jack and Jill. And they had it like stitched on the side of a Crown Royal bag. And it was simply Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his Crown Royal. Now Jill's dating some guy from LA. <laughs> Love it. There's your setup problem resolution. Perfect story structure right there. Um, you absolutely see it everywhere. Um, pop music. You see it. Um, listen to NPR. Quite often when they are setting up a segment to come, you're going to hear that big butt. It is going to stand out now that you're aware of this and button there for um, The New York Times uses it in their lead writing. Where we really found it is in the, uh, the success of South Park. Matt Stone and Trey Parker, you know, that's crafted this, this TV series that is one of the longest lasting TV series of all time, the second longest animated series only to The Simpsons. And what to me really stands out, Steve, is that when they produce a new show, say it's Sunday and they've got a new show coming out on Comedy Central, they are literally writing and producing this show this week. There's a video online called Six Days to Air. So that means they have zero chance for error in writing those scripts that they have to work and they follow this framework. It's where the ABT kind of came from. My buddy Randy also is a huge South Park fan as an evolutionary biologist from Harvard. And there's a, in the video, um, Trey Parker talks about this rule of replacement. They will write their first script. Then they'll go back in and they will try to replace every and with a therefore or a but. Cartman did this and this, but, this happened, therefore, this happened, but this happened, then therefore this happened. And the idea is, as they say, you get a show that goes this to this to this to this, but here's the complication to this. That's what our brain loves. So you see this everywhere now that you're kind of aware of the end button, therefore. And I was uh, doing a bunch of training, as I mentioned, for Home Depot, and I had that same question. I took them through a quick little 18 minute online course and then we did a live session and I got 10 minutes in that live session and someone pops in and says, well, I think we already got this ABT thing down park. What's next? And I go, well, what's next is 90 more minutes of building ABTs because they take practice. By the time we got through them, I got a call after the session and said, oh my God, you were right. We were long winded. We didn't have the story structure in the right place. This does take time and effort, but it is the most powerful thing you can do for your sales, marketing, and business storytelling is to get this ABT down so that it becomes narrative intuition. You just get the setup problem resolution dynamic working for you. Fantastic. Well, that, that, that is, uh, that, I mean, it makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, it, it, it works the way our brains work. So. Well, I'd, I'd like to move on to the next section, which is sales and in 60 seconds. So quick questions, quick answers. All right, here we go. First question. What's the greatest storytelling lesson that you've learned over the years? 
that you have to have conflict in a story. If you don't, you are just mumbling and nobody cares. The reason we don't have place conflict in a story is we want to look smart and educated and we don't want to pretend that there's any problems out there. And that simply doesn't work. So insert conflict into all of your communication because that will set up how you're going to fix it. And uh, what's a simple exercise that can make storytelling feel more natural? Here's the first thing I want you to do is go to your landing page on a website anywhere. Read what is currently there and then rewrite it as an and button, therefore. And you will see that it will just naturally flow better. There will be a natural hook to it. It all begins with getting this dynamic down. And that's one of the first exercises I do is go and hit your landing page. If you're not keen on doing that because you got marketing people out there that are going to get in your grill because we have that divide between marketing and sales, then do it in an email. And I want you to A-B test it. I want you to go and write an email with an a, with an and button, therefore starting, you know, with it. And then write one. Maybe, maybe you've got essentially the same email going to do two different customers. Use one with an ABT, one without, and see if you can feel the power uh, and see who gets back to you sooner or who gets back to you at all. Chances are it's going to be that ABT. Yeah, as I kind of do this in my mind while you're talking, it, 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 it. It's almost like the, the first part forces you to empathize with your customer and like connect with them and take things from their perspective, like give them something that, you know, that they, that they're comfortable with. Um, and then you kind of show them their problem, you know, the butt piece, and then you have to talk with, with a therefore you almost have to talk about the value of your solution, right? Like, you, yeah, it, 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 this, this setup here, it feels like it kind of follows with a lot of what you're supposed to be doing anyway in sales, but we, we love to get away from. Well, how often do we find all of ourselves out there winging it? And when we wing it, you're, you're just reducing your chance of being successful. So when you follow these proven frameworks, then you don't got to worry about it as much. You know, another great place to uh, practice these is online, like Twitter. So, all right, you already got guardrails on how much you can say. If you're tweeting out there, tweet with an ABT and give you an example of this. Um, uh, Christopher Lockhead, who is this legendary uh, Silicon Valley marketer. He had me on his podcast a few months ago and I taught him about the ABT. And he had never heard about it, but it totally made sense to him because he's completely into category design. And I showed him how I use the ABT and his approach to category design with some customers. So then the next day, he sends me a screenshot of a tweet that he sent out. And let me read the tweet to you real quick. He says, most hashtag entrepreneurs would love to design a new category and build a billion dollar business. But there is so much startup bullshit on Twitter, it's hard to know who to listen to. Meet David Sachs. He knows a few things. And then there's a link to Christopher's podcast that has David Sachs on it. He then points out that in less than 12 hours, this particular tweet had 60,963 engagements. And Christopher Lockett is very involved on social media. And he said, I have never had anything have that kind of engagement. There it was, the first time he had ever used an ABT. Now, it doesn't always happen that way. 
but yet another example or another place for you to practice it out there and then see how it will help you become a more natural storyteller with this agreement, contradiction, consequence, force of story that will just become natural to you. Very cool. What are the biggest mistakes that salespeople make when they're, when they're doing this and, and, and generally when they're using storytelling? Uh, generally, first and foremost, the biggest mistake is they place themselves and their brand at the center of the story chest pounding like I showed you with Sharp Electronics. That's the first and foremost paradigm shift that I hear across the board. You're not the center of the story. You actually play a more important role of mentor or guide. Your audience is the center of the story on their journey and you are there to help them get what they want. That's rule number one, mistake yeah, number like the, one. You shouldn't come up till the therefore. You shouldn't even be mentioned. Exactly, exactly. And by the way, you shouldn't even be mentioned till the end of that therefore. I've got another example I can share with you later if we've got time. Mistake number two, leading with the problem. I get this all of the time. Even though I said your and statement of agreement, you get one and, who's your customer, where they want, and why is that important to them? But so often people will make the mistake of leading with the problem. My customer is this, wants this, uh, and it's a major nightmare because of this. But, and then all of a sudden they're all cocked up on the whole thing. So start with a positive, affirmative, here's what a better tomorrow can look like. Start with fiction. That's in essence, you're trying to get them to live into that fiction, but you're not going to live into that fiction because of this major problem, unless therefore you hire us to do this and this and this for you. So. You are not the center of the story your customer is and do not lead with the problem. So pitch to me your business in, in a few sentences with, with this strategy. Well, you already got my very incremental one. Most executives communicate and care, but bore, therefore tell a story. I always begin with that. Now, uh, give me a business. Say I'm say I'm pitching your business, and what business are you in? Me, I, I just in, make uh, one up. I, I map uh, I map and route let's see, field salespeople's days um, and help them be more efficient. Okay, and what's your biggest communication challenge that you think storytelling can fix? Um, either being either creating stories that are catchy enough for people to to notice that we exist and stop doing what they're doing and excel on google maps but in an actual tool to do it or 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 to i guess that's problem number one in marketing for me in general is just awareness and problem number two is is helping people understand how how much how valuable this is how much they how much time they can save how much how much better they can do on mm -hmm. seeing the right customers, et cetera, if they're, if they're able to organize this and do it more effectively. But what is your real problem? Awareness, the lack of awareness is a symptom of a bigger problem. Is it that you are not effectively communicating or maybe you're stuck in the old forms of communication? Um, I'd say that it, my, my guess would be our biggest problem is that it's such a noisy world, right? There's, you know, 5,000 marketing technologies and 5,000 sales technologies, and we're just one sales technology. And uh, so the types of people that purchase this stuff uh, are getting a lot of messages from a lot of directions. 
So you oh, and a lot of those messages are very valid. Like you know, where where should you make your technology better for your marketing stack or sales stack? Well, in a lot of places, there's there's a lot of good stuff out there that's come out in the last decade, right? So your message and your brand position is being marginalized by the commoditization of your line of work, and you have to create real meaning around your offering that is focused on the outcome. It's not what you make, but what you actually make happen in people's lives. Is that fair to say? That's fair, yeah. So I might say something to you like, in my ABTs, they all get built off of that one basic kernel of an ABT, um, but now I want to have it focused on you. So, you know, um, how long has Badger Maps been around? It's 10, years? 10 years? Yeah. So, you know, so for 10 years, Badger Maps has been a go-to resource for field sales teams. And if we can show them how invaluable of an asset it is, then we will be the choice over other competing brands. But we are currently being marginalized because of the commoditization of tech in general. Um, therefore, we need to share stories that demonstrate the outcome that field salespeople experience using our you know, Badger Maps apps and sales training uh, to be able to increase the revenue to the level that we want to. So just completely winging that off the top of my head. But what I wanted to really dial down to, and I was asking you, you could see I was using the ABT as a listening device here. You shared three symptoms of the problem, but you never really shared what the problem is. Symptom is lack of awareness. You know, another symptom is there's a lot of people out there. Yeah, that's a problem, but it's kind of a symptom of a bigger problem. And maybe, and I don't even know if I got it exactly right, but maybe your biggest problem is you don't have enough meaning built into the messaging of your communication, which then leads to this marginalization of your message. Therefore, start telling the stories of the real world impact you're making in people's lives actually leads to the third mistake that I should have probably shared earlier. Mistake number one, you are not the center of the story your customer is. Take mistake number two, do not lead with the problem, lead with a brighter solution for tomorrow. Mistake number three is people talk about what they make versus what they make happen. We are so enamored with our tech. We're so enamored with the features and functions of our products or services that we make the story about that and nobody cares. What they care about is what you make happen in my life. Oh, by the way, you make it happen through this wonderful tech. But what I want to know is what is Badger Maps going to do for me tomorrow to make it worth, you know, giving you the money and my time and effort to learn it, to go out and do it. That's one of the key things. So mistake number three, do not talk about what you make before you talk about what you actually make happen in people's lives. That makes a ton of sense. What, what is, uh, what's the biggest myth in storytelling or about storytelling? Everybody thinks they're telling a great story when they're not telling a great story. And it comes down to form. What happens so often to someone, and just think about the last cocktail party you're at, if you've been at one since COVID hit, or the last time, maybe over Thanksgiving, you were with a, a room of people and someone was droning on and on and on, and you're thinking, God, will they ever shut up? Well, it's because they are and, and, anding you to death while they are thinking they're telling you a story. But they're never out of exposition. They're never out of act one. They and, and, and you to death. 
So I think the biggest myth is people go, oh, I'm a natural storyteller. I tell stories all the time. But when you sit down and listen to them, they don't. It's just this linear approach to sharing information with you without any problem, major conflict, and resolution that are the three forces of story. Makes a ton of sense. I, I, I kind of I keep going back to thinking about like Trey Parker going going through South Park and and making it all, you know, changing every and into a, a conflict or a resolution. Yeah, the problem, the rule of replacement: replace your damn ands with buts and therefores. You get one at the top statement of agreement. You get one and, but then get on with it. Yeah. Very, very, very cool way to think about it. Um, it is an actual takeaway. What should the field salespeople who are listening today do to get started with their own storytelling? What's, step, I've got what's this, the first step? I've got this exercise that I perfected when I was teaching as an adjunct at Arizona State University. I'm teaching executives around the world how to use storytelling. And one part of it was the end button, therefore. So here's what I'd have you do. Now that you think you got this ABT thing down, um statement of agreement but is the problem therefore is your resolution today write three emails using the and button therefore go and teach two people about the and button therefore what you just learned or what you believe you just learned um as incremental as that may be at this point and then number one apply the abt to a sales presentation or a longer form communication that you have at hand that you want to get in front of customers Actually, if you do that every single day, you will be curling this storytelling dumbbell. That's what I call the ABT. I try to use it everywhere because it builds that narrative intuition. So I call that the three, two, one exercise. Three emails, teach two people about the ABT and use it in one sales presentation. And then keep practicing it over and over and over. Great advice. Well, Park, I'm going to try to summarize what you've taught us here today. Um, so Park set out to find proven story frameworks that can be used intentionally with your prospects and customers. Um, you need to move in your storytelling from an intuitive wing style to being an intentional storyteller. And uh, to do that, you need to follow a framework. So the, uh, the best way or one of the best ways is to create a story with three essential stages that he was talking about, the setup, the problem, and the resolution. And his favorite, as we've been talking about a ton, is the ABT, the and, but, therefore. So and is the agreement, but is the conflict, therefore is the resolution. I'm going to start your and statement with a statement of agreement with, that has a positive outcome. Then you want to uncover the problem. And finally, you want to end with a resolution to the problem that leads to a positive outcome. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's best to share a story live and in person. It's just going to be the most, uh, it's going to capture the attention the best. And that's, that's good news for field salespeople. When you're telling a story orally, make sure you include a timestamp, a location stamp, a central character, talk about what happened, and then uh, have a surprising aspect of what happened. You also, in sales, need to overcome what, what 
what Park called an anti-story, which uh, you know maybe is another word for an objection, with with another story, right? So the easiest way to do that, or one of the easiest ways, is to share an example of other people in their situation that have overcome the same thing. So the anti-story is kind of your story is kind of you know this works. Their story is kind of that won't work, and then you want to overcome that by using a, an, an example of, a, of, of someone that it did work for. So the, these storytelling practices, they appeal to people's emotions um, first. Before anything else, they, they, they connect with people on that emotional level. And then after you've got people nodding, nodding and then you can start addressing their logical mind and, and, and bring in the data, bring in the evidence, that sort of thing. You want to work to build curiosity with stories and, and make sure that you, you close the story loop so a positive conclusion is always made and, and your product or service is a part of that positive conclusion. Park, this has been fantastic. Where can our listeners read more about your work? What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Well, uh, you can visit me over on LinkedIn, of course, Park Howell, uh, easy name to find, or come on over to businessofstory.com. That's my website where I house my podcast. I do a weekly podcast. You Thank you very much again, Steve, for joining us a couple of weeks ago on that. And I've been doing it for you know, six and a half years, and it's always about bringing on story artists to help people with sales and marketing using the power of story. And uh, those are probably the best two places. Of course, uh, now with Badger Maps, you can take the and button, therefore, of course, a very brief course that I have up on my website and apply it immediately to your, uh, your outside sales. So probably the best three places, LinkedIn, my website, businessofstory.com, or in your new uh, sales training series you have at Badger Maps. Yeah, the Badger Sales University. That's uh, that part is on there. So see him there. Well, this has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. Thanks, uh, thanks so much, Park, for uh, for joining us today. If you work in field sales, you'll love Badger Maps. It's the number one route planner. It helps you sell twenty percent more and drive twenty percent less. You can get a free trial at BadgerMapping.com today. And if you can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning the stuff that Park has just talked about today with Story, definitely share the love and forward this on to them. Take care until next time, everybody.